0: Welcome to the Mental Health in Schools podcast, designed and delivered by Anna Bateman.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Halcyon Education's Mental Health in Schools podcast. First, I want to thank you for the messages and comments that I've had about the podcast, and how you've been using them in schools to help improve the mental health of your students. It means a lot. Today's podcast is an everyday expert who is a mental health lead in a large inner city secondary school. Dawn shares her fantastic practical examples of how to embed mental health into everyday practice and make a difference for young people in school. What Dawn also has the ability to do is to have a strategic overview where policy and leadership underpin her vision for the school. Dawn has previously worked in lots of schools and colleges and had a particular focus on aspiration and removing barriers. She was an academic mentor in the school and has now been a designated senior lead for mental health in the school for about a year when we recorded the podcast. Dawn has subsequently left the school to train as an educational psychologist and what a fabulous psychologist she will be. Unfortunately there were some microphone issues for the first 10 minutes of the interview so I'm going to sum up some of the points that Dawn has made and then we'll drop in to the podcast later on.
0: First a quick word from our sponsors. At Jigsaw PSHE we believe that personal development and strategies to build mental well-being need to be taught and not left to chance. Jigsaw, the mindful approach to PSHE, leads the way in providing children and young people with its acclaimed, well-structured, and developmental lesson-a-week learning experience in PSHE from ages three to 16. Detailed lesson plans and all the teaching resources needed, along with free updates and ongoing support, make Jigsaw an invaluable, relevant, and fresh resource, taking the worry out of PSHE planning written by teachers, for teachers. And mindfulness philosophy and practice underpins the whole programme. Statutory government requirements for relationships, health and sex education are amply covered. For more information, go to www.jigsawpshe.com or call at jigsawhq. Now to the podcast.
1: Dawn believes that SLT needs to understand that mental health is a priority. But also to understand the sensitivities towards the culture and the community that your school is in. She talks about the awareness raising and a drip drip approach to promoting good mental health and creating that culture. She shares information about the Anna Freud um, booklet around mental health. And I'll provide that in the show notes so you know where to access that. And she provided that into each member of staff's pigeonhole. So that at some point, they will notice that in their pigeonhole. And she found that nine times out of ten, staff had actually picked that up so they could use it and utilise it with their students. She also talks as part of that drip-drip approach, that assemblies and the way of normalising a mental health language really helps to create that culture. Dawn also says, when you're starting out as a mental health lead... Did not reinvent the wheel, to create networks with other schools, because she feels it's quite daunting when you first start out. It feels like there's a lot to do, and she realised very quickly she couldn't do everything at once. So building a network and connecting with others and finding out information and where they started was one of the things that she did. She also was guided by the students. With the support from Birmingham Education Partnership that her school has, they provided some training for young wellbeing leaders. And those young leaders then began to do short presentations during a staff briefing about how staff can help them on a particular mental health topic. Dawn felt this was particularly important because it meant that the staff were hearing the student voice and it was from their perspective about what would help certain aspects of mental health and certain topics. One thing Dawn learned over the year however is that she should have perhaps got parents on board with well-being not calling it mental health she specifically talked about that. Again she mentioned the Anna Freud leaflet for parents and she left lots of them in the foyer and found that within a few days they were all gone and for her this almost gave her the confidence and the confirmation that really parents do want to know more. We then join the conversation back into the interview where Dawn shares fantastic practical ways to embed mental health. So we briefly touched on, um, I think it's one of the most challenging areas uh, for mental health leads is is those reluctant staff. There tends to be perhaps a group of staff who, you know, don't get it or don't see that it's important. How do you think um, mental health leads can sort of get around that i think
2: if a person is in the role of mental health lead they've got an interest in it and i think it's taking a step back and realizing that we're not all the same yeah and that it will take time there might be fears with the member of staff they might have their own mental health needs that you're unaware of Um, What I have done is get organisations who are experts in their field Mm. to come in as well. So, for example, Papyrus have been to talk about um, suicide-safe schools. And then, as I mentioned earlier, BEP, who we work really closely with, one of their leads has come in and talked about the whole resilience framework, why it's needed, what we can do as schools. So... I think it's having other voices added to mine to give that credibility, I think, to the message. Um, In terms of the green paper around mental health, taking aspects of that and including them like in our behaviour policy. Yeah. So... Actually, what should we be thinking of when we're looking at behaviours, which we may see as naughty behaviour in a classroom, which I completely understand disrupts the classroom. Mm. But I think being forewarned is forearmed. And so with the behaviour policy, I've sat down with SLT and taken things from that green paper and had them put into the behavior, school behaviour policy. So then it becomes part of what you do as a teacher, yes. as a support member of staff. It's not something which you can cherry-pick, if you like. It's part of your role. It's part of your function in your job. And I think that, you know, slowly you begin to change people's minds the more you talk about it. Yeah. It begins to change how you think about it. So although you may have staff which will never totally agree with mental health, they're will be a point where, okay, they accept that it may be there and this is what they need to do. Mm. I think also for the uh, mental health lead, I think it's for them to be really confident in their role and why they're in the school, Mm. because you may have a situation where you feel challenged by a member of staff because they want that child in the classroom. So this has happened to me. And from my perspective, this child is in no fit state to come back to your classroom Mm. right now. Um, you know I do believe in education but there's points where not now yeah. but they wanted them back in the classroom so it was a bit of having mm-hmm. conversation around why and maybe you know negotiating with that teacher look if can I keep them here can we have the work sent from the classroom for them to do here
0: yeah.
2: and so sometimes that makes them feel a little bit better about themselves I think it's understanding again your role but also the teachers that their job is to get these children through their qualifications Mm. and if because of you know the child's well-being how they feel about themselves and they're not coping outside school then what can we do to try and get that balance of we're supporting you but we're still helping you to get an education Mm. Um, what I said to some of my year 11 students was you know you're going to leave school and yes you don't like school for different reasons but when you leave this will no longer be something that causes you anxiety and I want to make sure that you have something to take into your future
1: yeah Wow, that's fantastic. So thinking about how you thread in elements of everyday practice into everyday policy yes, so that all yeah. teachers are basically kind of, you know, well, mm-hmm. this is part and parcel of our policy. Yeah. It's not a cherry pick. We don't, you know, we don't add it in uh, when we feel like it. Yeah. And I love that idea of the negotiation. So, you know, really holding that empathy for teachers that, yeah, that, you know, they've they've yeah. they've got. Um, you know they've got targets they want mm-hmm. to ensure that um, our students have got a great education and that, that negotiation is a yeah. really really important part it is. of that
2: and I think to be honest that's why I haven't had too much sort of push back yeah. because I really I do try I mean at times they won't be pleased mm-hmm. and I know that but I'm always thinking about you know we have to think what's the best interest of a child And, you know, it's our job as staff to make sure that they don't deteriorate. That's part of safeguarding. So, you know, that's awesome.
0: And now a short break to hear from our sponsors. CPOMS is an online system for schools to manage pastoral concerns and events and is now used by over 10,000 schools. The main reason it works so well is that the categories of information of school logs on CPOMS are chosen by the school so that the concerns you face that are unique to your community or individuals can be logged accordingly. It saves a huge amount of time compared to doing things on paper. Chronologies for pupils or school wide reports can be generated quickly. The Service Point Support Team provide an incredible standard of service and one of the main reasons that CPOMs are spread by word of mouth to so many schools. For more information go to www.cpoms.co.uk, where you can also book a demo for your school. Now back to the podcast.
1: So I'm um, obviously you're sort of moving on to, you know, doing uh, other things and uh, and and you know it's going to be you're going to be brilliant. What kind of plans did you have for next year and why? You know, what what were your kind of focuses for next year? So
2: many. (laughs) So (laughs) many. Um, I think one of them, so with the coffee mornings, they've been for our parents. But moving forward next year, what I would like to do is to invite parents um, of children who are coming up from year six into our year seven. So I think it's catch the parents early in a sense. Let them know that we're a school that is really keen to make sure their child progresses well, emotionally and academically. And I think because parents at primary school are used to going into school, having those interactions with teachers every day, um, I think sometimes when children come to secondary school, they lose that connection, they lose that relationship. And so, next year, I would have hoped to have had a coffee morning where we had parents from feeder schools come as well Mm. with our current parents so they can kind of have that conversation build up their support networks as well find out what are some of the pitfalls um, that they've experienced because we all know that as children grow um, and grow in adolescence that You know, the brain changes, um, peers become more important for a little while. Maybe that parental voice is muted. Mm -hmm. And so how do they negotiate that time when they might be suffering points of stress because they're going into exams, GCSE exams, but yet you feel like you can't have that conversation with them? Mm -hmm. So I think that would be one thing I would change. Then another thing has been we have wellbeing boards around the school Mm And I think I'd really like to revamp those, make them a bit more eye-catching, let the wellbeing leads be more involved with what goes on there. Mm -hmm. Maybe put the wellbeing leads selfies upon them so that other students know if you need to speak to somebody your age, these are the people you can speak to. These are the people you can speak to. Um, Then recently, we've used the emotional language wheel, which, I mean, recently in the past month, which has different emotions written on it. And what I've done is underneath, taken one of those words and then put the definition of that word. So it's got, how do you feel today? And I've only done one word at the moment, but I think that will develop. Mm. So over the academic year, there'll be several words that they'll learn which they can use to express their emotions. Mm. And I think, for example, with self-harming, the research suggests that it's because those young people don't know how to articulate how they feel mm-hmm. so it's another way of getting them to talk and say this is how I'm feeling yeah. rather than maybe cutting themselves yeah.
1: that emotional literacy um is really fundamental isn't it to you know being able to ha- and also have the confidence to articulate yeah. rather than just mm-hmm. being there happy sad space actually yeah i feel jealous i feel worried i feel anxious i feel proud you know that's the whole range of language Mm. is so fundamental to mental health and i like the fact that you've you know it's again it's part and parcel of the culture of the school here's the language that we're you know extending here's Mm -hmm. the language which is important to us here um in order for you to be well i mean
2: another we use other programs as well to achieve that emotional literacy so Uh, For example, Prince's Trust, Mm -hmm. they have a programme which you can use. So there's different outcomes and I don't follow the lesson plan. I just tweak it to fit the cohort of year seven students that I have. Um, So, for example, we've gone to the food bank, they've had tennis lessons, they have lessons in the classroom to think about how do I work as a team member. So thinking about themselves as well and actually... In a a classroom situation, how do you manage that conflict when they've taken a sharpener, your rubber? How do I respond? And so I think there's so many different tools you can use. There's different books out there which address issues around mental health that a young person can just read if they want to as a story. So it doesn't feel like it's about them, but it's offering them strategies, solutions. We use a programme called Tutu, which is an online anonymous um, package. Mm-hmm. Uh, young people have a password. They can go on and just type up any concerns they have. Yeah. Because some young people say they don't, they can't talk to staff. Mm-hmm. They find it very difficult. But when they do it behind a computer, mm-hmm. that conversation flows much more freely. And you can involve house managers, so you can um, forward that message on. So they don't know who the young person is, but... you're empowering again house managers to think these are situations that are coming up Mm -hmm. and this is how I'm dealing with it and then if something comes up with one of their students in their house they've already had that experience Mm -hmm. so I think one thing I would definitely say is the lead for mental health can't do everything and they shouldn't want to hold everything it's about giving other people in the school chances to experience these things with young people so that they can um, be somebody a young person would feel confident going to.
1: Mm. I think that's great advice. So, so things you've said around certainly sort of the organisational side is try not to do it all and do it all quickly. Yeah. Know that it's going to take time, mm-hmm. but also galvanise a team, yeah. galvanise students, staff and people that you know, you know that will support yeah. as you go. It's been awesome to talk to you, Dawn. I really appreciate you giving your thoughts, and I know you've been—you know—you really want Thanks. to sort of help, <laughs> and this is, you know, part of being able to help others. And I'm, 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 I'm very grateful for you to have done it today. So thank you. Thank you. I think you will agree, Dawn's pragmatic, tenacious approach to mental health is a fantastic example of leadership and school improvement with compassion and vision, within an inclusive whole school environment. If you're not sure what the mental health lead role is, I've provided a handout that, as you know, goes along with every single podcast, which basically sets out the proposed role and some of the things that you may want to do as part of that role. And this is from the DfE. I had a fantastic opportunity with my Birmingham Education Partnership colleagues to sit on the advisory group with the DfE and the green paper, particularly around the mental health lead role. We know that the government's proposal is that training for designated senior leads for mental health will be provided for free from the DfE as per the mental health green paper. However, we know that this will take significant time to roll out with a minimum five-year rollout, which has not started yet and will be starting sometime academic year 2021. In next week's podcast, we will be delving more into emotional literacy, a particular favourite subject of mine, and looking at the role this plays in improving mental health.
0: Hope that you enjoyed this podcast. For more information and support on this topic, go to the resources section on the website. That's www.halcyon.education.com forward slash podcasts.